I can go easy now first. Yeah, you do it first. Easy now first. No, easy now is how it goes. Easy now. That's the one, man. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back to the Drive Talk podcast powered by Michelin. Talking about Michelin, that's a nice T-shirt you got there, mate. Oh, you didn't get the memo, did you, this morning? <laughs> we both rocked up in exactly the same T-shirt. Got that from the bike shed show, didn't we? Yeah, it's a pretty cool T-shirt. In fact, I, I took mine to the Nurburgring a good few weeks ago, and uh, I couldn't remember where I got it from, and you reminded me it was from the bike shed. Yeah, and I had it on um, during the recording of one of the podcasts at the Nurburgring, but I had a jumper on over it, so you didn't actually see it. Ah, okay. I Unlucky. But while we're on the subject of bikes, your long-termer, your so I don't think we've talked about this on podcasts because you did the most epic road trip on that bike. And I'd love to just have a bit of a chat about it, t- tell us what it's like, because you've gone from hardly doing any riding at all to riding to the Alps on a motorbike. <laughs> yeah, it was, was uh, a good idea. It was a big, it was a big challenge. It was something that I'd sort of set myself last summer when I got my license. I said this year I need to either do a track day on a bike, which is looking less likely as winter approaches very quickly, or... Uh, or and or go to the Alps on the bike and do something that you and I would do in a car normally. Mm. Um, and um, well, firstly, yeah, the bike went back a couple of weeks ago, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it kind of went went are you back. Pining for it, I am, and it, and it went back just as that lovely late summer weather arrived. Literally on the day that that lovely sort of ten days, two weeks of lovely weather we got that, um, and I am missing it. Um, but I had it for three and a half months, believe it or not. No way. Yeah, long time. Wow. Um, and, and I did lots of fun adventures on it, but nothing compared to that. And as you say, I, I did, like my longest journey until I went to the Alps was going to see my parents who live in central London. And I live uh, near Silverstone. So that was about an hour and a half maximum <laughs> each way, an hour and 20 minutes. And that I thought, oh, wow, I've, oh, that's an adventure on my adventure bike. Um, but no, nothing like six days, uh, nineteen hundred miles. Wow! Um, and Which is a lot in a car. It's a lot in a car, and and it's and and most of them. Well, no, not that's a lie. I'd say at least half of those miles, so thousand miles, were mountain passes and 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 back roads. Um, it was honestly, mate. It was uh it was an amazing experience, an experience of a lifetime. Um, one that I'll probably never repeat on my own again because one thing I discovered very quickly was it, it's quite a lonely thing to do on the bike. It was great for the mind and great to sort of achieve it. Mm. But the next step for that for me is to do it with some mates like Chris Barrenwell Grumble, who we had on the podcast um, with with comms on. I've got this lovely Cardo shout-out, big shout-out to Cardo actually, intercom system best in the business and that's great links up with your phone and stuff just like your bluetooth does with your car and your nav whatever you want it to but when you're with a group of riders you can also link your systems up oh cool so uh, or, or if i've got like lou on the back as a passenger and she has one on her helmet so you can communicate and in fact just before i gave the bike back um me and chris went out for a ride and it was brilliant because well we know how funny chris is um, you, you, you know, you got the banter while you're following someone like Chris, and it was just brilliant. So I think that'll be the next adventure um, next year. But yeah, it was just a, it was a breathtaking, uh, breathtaking week. It was a really different. I think the way you can look at it is, and you can appreciate this as someone who likes your convertibles. And I think 
when you're down in the Alps, something like your uh, Boxer GTS is is just the perfect car for that sort of trip because you've got the roof open and it really adds a dimension. Mm. And then I think being on the bike just adds another dimension because you feel completely exposed mm. um, in good and bad ways. Uh, you don't take quite as many risks as you might do in a car because uh, you can you can see you can see what would go wrong whereas in the car you're sort of below the barrier a lot of the time but when you're on the bike you're like okay i get my braking a little bit late here i came down out to Ez quite fast and and i thought well i don't want to outbreak myself here because yeah i'm, I'm gonna come off second best because I, I was watching you on socials and and i'm actually next year planning uh, a trip to that part of france on my road bike because you did Alpe d'Huez, you did Galibier, you yep. did lots of iconic Tour de France climbs and I'm watching it, oh, I'd love to cycle up there on my bike. Um, going down from, but the uphill bit's painful, but it's just something about that part of the world and those, it's so beautiful up in the mountains. I can imagine on a bike, on a motorbike, that must be cool. It, it was cool and I think you would love it on the bike and I think that's something I would love to, I did do Alpe d'Huez on my Brompton many years ago uh, and that was a challenge but I tell you what that it's the views and stuff that actually you, you get these constant rewards because every time you do a hairpin and you head up another stretch the view changes and gets better most of the time mm. so it's almost like there's another little reward there's another little reward um, and on top of that you've got the beautiful air which obviously the further up you go the less oxygen you have but it's such fresh beautiful air um so yeah, it's really good. Anyone that's thinking about it, if you've got your bike license, um, I can't recommend it high enough. I think the, the worst, well, not the worst thing, the, the, the hardest thing of that trip or the, one of the dullest moments is, and, and I'm sure a lot of bikers can relate to this, they're not much fun on the motorway. I mean, a car isn't much fun on the motorway, but you can, you know, you can, make, you, you, you can deal with it in a car, set the temperature right, you know, whatever. You haven't got wind blowing in your head at your head and whatever else whereas on the bike it's just it must it, be really physical because you must be constantly making micro adjustments just to keep yourself so you you know in a car you get a numb bum right there's and maybe it's achy arms but on yep. a bike your whole body must be i can imagine your ass is quite sore after three or four hours but your whole body must be yeah well that was my big concern because uh, again relating back to the fact i've done an hour and a half <laughs> i went from an hour and a half to six days straight um and i was really worried about that i think i've got mm, can i can i say a firm bum on this podcast yeah you can. Yeah. yeah i've got a relatively firm bum from many years of cycling i think i've i've retained that somehow yeah. uh even when i was really unfit a couple of years ago so i wasn't too concerned about that but i just thought everything else and actually on day three or four i was right in the middle of the alps somewhere i'd got to the top of this pass i can't even remember where it was but it was very quiet uh, it was the one bit of rain I saw on the trip. It started to rain a little bit. It was a bit cooler as well, which was a nice welcome change because some of the days it was mid to high 30s, which is horrible on a bike in leathers. It's like <laughs> someone having a massive hairdryer just going. Um, so it was cool. But so I got to this point and, um, and you're saying about aches. So I was, my bum was relatively numb. Um, my arms were hurting. My wrists were hurting. I seemed to have hand and arm pump everywhere. My neck I had these horrible shooting pains in my neck from sort of, it, and, and, and literally everything just, the more I thought about it as I was getting to the top of this climb, the more I could feel things because I was focusing on the pain. And I got to the top of this climb and I got off the bike and I remember just thinking, looking at the nav and it was like four and a half or five hours to go to the hotel. 
and then it started raining and I just saw at that point I was like well have I bitten off more than I can chew here you know like um this is this is mentally and physically both of those at that point it was like overwhelming mm. um and I was sitting there and I thought okay well I've got no choice but to carry on there's no one around me and I was just about to get on the bike and this other GS and let me tell you when you're in the Alps um and and you know what a GS is you spent some time around them you could you can hear the engine note every 99% of the bikes there are GSs you know they're, they're everywhere <laughs> so I heard this other GS coming up the hill as I put my helmet on put my helmet on got ready reversed the bike out and was about to uh, take off this gs comes flying past me on italian plates um i, I assume it's a couple the uh, guys uh, riding at the front his girlfriend's on the back or wife whatever and uh, they've gone flying past me in this wet damp conditions so i'm like wow they're on it so i've gone followed them down the first straight turned in hit this join like because in in france and a lot of uh, the alps they all the roads crack up from the extreme weather right because yeah. it's you know minus 20 and then it's plus 35 plus 40 so you got these massive cracks and they they put this uh like sealant yeah it's almost like our bathroom sealant you know and it is like that in the dry in the dry it's fine but as soon as it gets wet that sealant even in the car when you hit it you feel the car move twitch so you can imagine on a bicycle or a motorbike when it's wet you hit that and it's like oh it feels like the whole bike's moved like a foot it's probably only moved an inch um so the first corner i've hit that and got oh and so i thought to myself i've got two choices here I either just spend the next five hours suffering all the way back to the hotel, feeling sorry for myself, focusing on the pains that I'm getting, or I <laughs> grip my teeth and I cling onto the back of that GS that's obviously being ridden by an Italian bloke who knows what he's doing and just follow him. I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I was literally replicating everything they were doing or trying to at least and you know i was losing time everywhere and trying to make up a bit of time it was like a challenge in my head it was like playing a simulator or something and i hung on to the back of them for 45 minutes till we got to the bottom of this climb we got to the town by that point the weather's got better the pains has gone away because i'm focusing so hard on on following them and it was a real moment for me because it was right in the middle of the trip it was right when all the pains and everything were maximum and it was right when my mental sort of energy was on the floor and and these people they you know they had no idea who i was they probably didn't realize at all what they'd just done for me mm. but they towed me out of this problem <laughs> uh, of this situation you know and i was just like i remember just thinking oh my god this is the best thing and i just let them go at the bottom of the village i was like i'm safe now i feel good now i've only got four hours to go i can deal with that and but yeah it was just one of those moments one of many but that particular one it was a real sort of drag me out of a bad situation and uh yeah Wow. It, was, uh, it was great but yeah hopefully one day oh, it'd be great i'd love to do something with you on a bike out there one day and it'd be a, a bicycle yeah yeah um, definitely and, definitely. and, and I, I think you need to get your motorbike license as well oh, mate. i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> i value my marriage too much i was gonna say yeah yeah <laughs> the boss has spoken yeah. yeah so how long is it gonna be before you buy a bike <laughs> well um i mean i would the idea two up 12 months ago when i passed my test i was like i'm gonna get one because actually um you know finance rates i know we talked about it uh recently on on a podcast um in terms of finance rates for cars and stuff bikes even with the with the higher um interest rates they're still very affordable com in comparison mm. the big problem with bikes which i didn't thankfully have to worry about with a press bike is insurance people like a nice bike people i know people that are paying four five six grand a year what yeah for for, for bike uh bike insurance which 
then all of a sudden those 200 200 pound or 250 pound monthlies for a really nice bike that doesn't matter because you you know you're paying you know that again at least on insurance three four hundred you've got to use it a lot if you're paying that yeah you've got to use it a lot if you're paying that and you don't i don't care what anyone if you well i don't i didn't in my situation because i have a car um and i think even most people that have got bikes have got cars as well and you tend not to use them all the time as much as you should so it's a difficult one but i really want one um but with the way youtube ad revenue is going <laughs> i don't think I, I might be getting a c90 cub moped or something um but yeah let's let's see watch this space but I, i'd like to try some some different brands next year um and uh, and see what they're all about but i certainly enjoyed the gs and yeah neil if you're listening i really appreciate that um that bike it was great it was fantastic and uh yeah look forward to more adventures next summer so I'm going to use a bike, motorbike. Oh, I could use push bike as well as a segue into one of the things we want to chat about. So this episode, we we thought we, we we're like the kind of chat that you have down the pub with your mates, where you kind of just let off a whole bunch of steam about stuff that's winding you up about cars and stuff. Yep. So the the my segue is uh, motorbike or push bike, and you talked about going to see your mum and dad in London. So if you want to drive into London. Now, there's this thing called ULES. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Sadiq Khan. Um, so I thought we'd have a chat about ULES and 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 just to offload really because I, I guess for me, for, first up, I understand the concept of trying to tidy up the you know air and and, and air pollution and environment in a city. However, there's a line I think where you need to just be careful that you're not you know screwing over the 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 normal the normal citizen of london yep and i know quite a few people live in in town that have literally either had to get rid of their car or change their car um and and change their lifestyle completely because of ULES. yeah well i think it's it's been happening for a long time since i mean way before ULES with the with the introduction of the congestion charge and the way that moved around they expanded it they reduced it um, and I remember when it first came, the congestion charge, my parents live in, in Paddington, right in the centre of London, actually right on the border of where uh, where it is uh, or where it was. No, where it back is now. That's right. Because they did expand it. And then they oh, I never know it. where I never know where the congestion charge is. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. I always forget it. to say it. <laughs> yeah, well, so, 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 so back when they introduced it the first few years, I think residents of London got a reduction especially if you're in the zone. Wow, thank you very much. You're giving me a reduction to, so I can use my car. Um, but the problem is uh, back then, and my old man is more forgetful than me, so you can imagine how forgetful he is. Um, he would go out to work in his car uh, and just forget, honestly forget to pay the charge because you know he'd spent 50 years of his life there previously and hadn't mm. paid it. Um, but back then you couldn't set up an automated account you had to do each one manually so oh, of course man. so it was almost set up on purpose as a as a failure to everyone not not as a revenue making surely not, not really no. <laughs> i can't i can't believe that yeah i know who would have thought no and no. so that's always been the case and the other thing that's always been the case in london uh and is continuing to be as we're going to get onto is is the is this whole you know we you need to be in this car because that passed our standards. Well, it passed our standards for a year or two until we changed 
change the standards and then it won't and 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 i remember it was always this based on the co2 because i used to live on the outskirts of london and um i had a smart car uh mhd something or other because it was 98 grams of co2 and the reason i had that well it was a great little city car where we live sorry i just i've got this image of you <laughs> in, in a smart car, car. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like you driving one of them little car company cars it was i was like donkey kong or something yeah. but actually you know what it's funny because People, the smart car's tiny, but actually, have you driven one? <laughs> Donkey Kong. Have you driven a smart car, though? Oh. Well, actually, anyone that has will know what I'm talking about. When you get in a smart car, you're actually massively surprised. Oh. Patrick, do we need to call an ambulance? I <laughs> It's all right. It's okay. So no. Um, back to me driving a smart car. No, the the cabin in a smart car is really big. Um, and it's, I mean, it's strictly a two seater. Uh, well, it's smart for two is anyway. But um, but my point being is, we, me and uh, my ex, were forced into buying that because at the time, if you had a car that was under ninety nine grams, whatever it is, CO two measurement, you got free congestion charge. So we got that, and no more than six months after buying it, that changed to 79. And and at that time, there was literally nothing apart from hi- some hybrids, which when you read that on a hybrid, it's you know it's pretty skeptical anyway, because yeah. not many people use hybrids how they should be used. They just use the, the underpowered motor. Um, and then the 79 changed to 49, and then and then I think that was abolished altogether. And it was, and it was electric cars only in as we're about to talk about, that's changing. And it's, so they, they just keep, the whole thing is, well, as far as they're concerned, is to make, you know, they're trying to make everything greener and reduce uh, carbon. And But actually all they did for those years and continue to do are encouraging us to go out and buy more and more cars to, 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 to tick a load of boxes that keep, your goalposts that keep getting moved. Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah, it's yeah. impossible to keep up with, the Joneses by doing that. I mean, I I, I didn't realise what a hot topic the ULES thing was until um, be about nine months, maybe twelve months ago. One of my, he's now a mate. He was a subscriber, and we met him a, a number of times. I've driven his cars. He he lives in the the new ULES zone when it expanded. Yep. And and he he got a few cars, and and one of his favourite cars he was going to have to basically get rid of because it didn't comply to ULES, and it was going to cost him was it twelve twenty five pounds a day or. 12? Twelve pounds fifty a day every yeah. time he used it. So he drew up a list of um, like twenty cool cars that were ULES compliant, and I did a video on it. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I mean, I thought the EV debate was, but I mean, the amount of people it was like, oh, it's not about EV. It's about you know ULES shouldn't happen at all. And then you know, I said, you, do you know the brown car guy? I don't, uh, the the oh, I can't remember his name now. The anyway, I've, I've met him so many times on. Channels. I don't. I just know him as a brown car guy. He's like Mister. You know, trying to abolish ULES, and yep. you start kind of realizing just the amount of feeling. And then when you look at the ULES zone expansion, I just don't get it. The fact it includes Heathrow, that's just. It's just like, wh- wh- who thought that up? Who thought that was a good idea? Well, uh, the accountant. Oh, he can't. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Can you imagine if you're a family going yeah. on holiday? Because I think you, you, if you drive into it, it's every day you're in it. 
I, so even yep. if your car was parked up, I think you have to pay. No, only, do you not? Oh, only when you pay. Oh, yeah. So Pat says, yeah. that's all right, £12.50 in and out. Yeah. But then congestion on top of that, if you're in central London, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. 27 quid. They do total if you do Bethan. I own that. 27 quid. But as you say, the Heathrow thing, it's a really good point. Or, or if you're It's right on the board. So they said anything within the M25, I think, initially, yeah. which the Heathrow, strictly speaking, the Heathrow. Heathrow, strictly speaking, is just inside the M25. But um, on top, yeah, so you've got uh, you've got innocent people, again, that they're targeting. Um, and you've also got, how, like, how else can, or you can use the Heathrow Express, which is about 400 quid return to London <laughs> now, uh, which isn't a very, it's a very effective thing if you need to, you know, if you're based, especially in Paddington or whatever. But um, But it's not just that. Airports... Okay, so let's say low-cost airports like Sandset and Luton, they've always charged for drop-offs and pickups. Well, for the last 10, 15 years. Heathrow have now started doing that as well. So you can't even drop someone off there without... I think it's £5. You have to pay just the... Plus the ULEZ, if you're not in Just the ULEZ. So you just think it's just... It's not, it's, it's not fair. And once again, I think, yeah, with, it, with all of it, it's just picky on the... On the working class, or, or you know, it, it it's the, the the rich don't need to worry so much about it, but it's it's the the people that you know the people that do need to worry about it are just getting punished massively, and I think it's it's just a shame, isn't it? It's, well, and I think there's going to be a couple of things. Bear in mind the the podcast we did recently about kind of used cars and stuff. Yeah. F- firstly, there's a whole bunch of people who probably can't really afford to change their car out for a, a more modern one. You know, they're looking at a budget of Maybe a, a couple of hundred grand for an. Uh, sorry, a couple of hundred. Come on, no. <laughs> sorry, that's a deep car. A couple of grand for a new car, not yeah. 50, 60 grand. Yep. Um, so just just the logistics of doing that on on the, you know and and there's this you know is it is it a case where actually the agenda is to just get us all out of cars completely and get us onto public transport? I think so. I think a lot of it is that uh, to stop us moving around, travelling, and. It's just, yeah, it's all becoming unaffordable, isn't it? Everything is just so expensive when it comes to personal travel, uh, whether it's flying, but even public transport. I mean, it's just uh, where I live, you know, I don't live too far from Bicester, so so I'm really close to a railway line to get into Marlborough in central London. And actually, you know what, as a car guy, I don't take the train enough if you ignore the cost of it. Um, and when I do, I, I love it. And probably say, when you sit there, you get your laptop out. You can, loads of editing done. You can it's do great. these things that you just can't do in a car, especially if you're driving. So it's, it's a really nice, if you get a seat and it, you know, it's really nice, but the cost of it, it's like, it's just, I just can't justify it. I'm, you know, I, I forget what it is, but it's something silly like 40, 50 quid return. And it's like, it's, you know, it's going to cost me half of that in the car, even in something like my M3 in fuel. And I just can't, I just feel like I'm getting ripped off. And a lot of the time I'd be like, no, I don't care. I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to sit in traffic because I, I'm not going to pay those prices. If, right, if you had a Tesla, right, you could charge it for much Patrick. less. <laughs> but uh, so, so you'll see where I'm going with this. So the, the, the whole thing is, okay, get an EV. Because um, EVs, you can go into low to, you know, ultra low emission zones. We're talking about London, by the way. They're all over the place. Yeah. Most big cities now, Birmingham, Manchester, Bristol, they're all looking at kind of reducing cars into the centre of their um, cities for emissions reasons and stuff. 
So you think, okay, I'll get electric car then. Because with an electric car, I, I don't have to worry about ULEs because they're zero tailpipe emissions. That's a whole other podcast as to whether they are zero tailpipe emissions or not. Well, they are. Nothing comes out the tailpipe. That doesn't mean they don't emit stuff somewhere else. Yep. Um, and I don't pay, um, I'm not going to use road tax. Oh, yeah. Vehicle, like... vehicle excise duty. Yes. We haven't had road tax in this country it, since the 50s. Road fund license, it used to be. Called. It used to be, and then it's, yeah, but it's a vehicle excise duty. Yeah. Basically, once again, it's them just getting away from us uh, complaining about the state of the Well, roads. it's just basically they take the money from that and use it for lots of other things, not just the roads. Because we don't pay enough tax. But as it at is. the moment, the, oh yeah, there is that. At the moment, so uh, an electric vehicle, zero emissions yep. vehicle, pays zero uh, vehicle or, or vehicle excise duty, no road tax. Until 2024. Yes, 2024 or five? 2024, 2025. 2025. April 2025, that's yes. it. I've got, I've got me, so yeah, yeah, April 2025, we start paying vehicle excise duty on electric cars. Yep, and then and then December 2025, <laughs> you've got to pay congestion charge in London on EVs. <laughs> oh no, hold on a minute, but I've just got rid of my diesel that wasn't ULES compliant and bought an electric car so I don't pay any. Oh, yep. The, oh. And this is exactly what <laughs> you know. What I was talking about ten minutes ago was just they just keep doing it, and it's just like so that you know. So you're telling me it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It, they're saying that these cars are you know completely green or amazing for the environment. We should all go out and buy them, and then some people do, mostly based around avoiding paying company car tax, et cetera, but whatever. There are people that actually go out and buy Teslas and stuff. Um, but then you do that, but then you still get stung. <laughs> but but how, like, you get stung by paying a fine for, you, you get charged, you get given a fine that is based around your vehicle basically polluting the city, but you bought that vehicle because you've been told that it's not a pollutant, essentially. Yeah. So how does it? It's all double standards. It it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and it, but unfortunately, this is. I mean, and if you haven't seen it coming, it's coming. I mean, all the grants have stopped. Oh yeah, but I've it, got I've got an electric car as a company car because I don't pay benefit in kind. But, yeah, but that's changing as well, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's frozen at two percent, I think, yeah. till twenty twenty five. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it, it's like to go up there. Yeah. So, so I, I did a, a video, oh man, it's a year ago now, but just about, you know, how, so if you think about the moment the with petrol and diesel cars, what percentage of a litre of petrol, let's say you're paying pound fifty for a litre of petrol, how much of that is tax? So it's, it's a very high proportion of that is tax. So if we all stop using petrol cars and diesel cars and get into electric cars, where's that going to come from? Where's that, where's that, that taxation revenue going to come from? Now, I guess there's one argument that says there's still going to be an awful lot of petrol and diesel cars around for quite some time, even though you can't buy one post-2035. Let's see if that deadline moves. Mm. Um, but that that's still going to come from somewhere. Yep. And, and the next question is, well, okay, so if we've got, we've got fines for going in cities based on our emissions, the next logical thing is that we will be, and, and, and if road, I'm going to use the word road tax, it's not road tax, vehicle excise duty but and let, let's mean. agree it's it's road tax for now yeah um so road tax um you don't okay you're going to pay a, a, an amount of road tax for an electric car but i can see 
in the not too distant future, we're going to end up with a model where you pay for your road tax based on how far you drive, where you drive, and when you drive. Yep. Um, and and I mean, I, I remember a few years ago now in my previous job before I did YouTube in my telecoms job, we did a, a big project for, I'm just going to say, a UK network operator, mobile network operator. And they had a whole program on usage-based insurance. So basically, you would it's a, I guess it's a little bit like a black box that you would have if you were a, a learner driver or a young driver. Very similar thing. You have a telemetry box in your car and it monitors um, where you're driving, how fast you're driving, and when you're driving. And then your, your insurance that you pay is based on that. Yep. So let's say you're driving um, under the speed limit all the time and you're driving off-peak hours and you're out and about in the countryside. Maybe you don't pay as much insurance as someone who speeds all the time, drives at night time in high-risk areas. That technology's there now. You can do that today. And I don't think it's a million miles off until we start seeing that rolled out. I think the big problem's probably backwards compatibility with old vehicles that don't have that kind of kit in it yeah but they will start getting stung in terms of fines and i think it'll get to a point where those older vehicles there'll be more rules and stuff introduced when there yeah that will stop people using their once again uh yeah really damaging people that can't afford uh newer stuff um all these older cars are just going to be apart from the really desirable ones that are once again going to be owned by people that can afford to own them and mm. keep them and run them when they're allowed to. Um, I think, yeah, electric... And I think that's the whole thing around electric cars or even modern-day combustion engine cars. So the long-term M2 that I've got is the first press car that I've actually ever driven that's got this uh, speed warning um, <laughs> dong on it, um, which... And we've talked about speeding on this channel uh, yeah. a lot and, and neither of us condone it, especially in built-up areas. But let me tell you, when you've got a speed dong warning thing, it's not always right. Like all these speed... You know, they, they get it wrong sometimes. So when that's wrong, then it's... Dog. But you go into a 30 zone at an indicated 31 miles an hour Bom. as you're slowing down. Dong, dong, dong. Or you accelerate out of a 40 into a 50, but you're doing 42 by the time you get to the 50 sign. Dong, dong, dong. And oh my goodness. But, but, so that's... So, so I know. So the first time I came across that was on a Lexus about six months ago yeah and i just thought it was a lexus thing and then you know you you what the, the beauty of being a youtuber when you put something out on youtube you get lots of feedback from people and it yeah. you know you read around a bit it's a, it's a requirement now nude cars it's yep. an eu led like eu led led not legislation regulation yeah, a regulation um and, and new cars have an audible speed warning yes. now at the moment you can turn it off yeah, now, the nice thing about that M2 is that you've got their little Shortcut. customizable shortcuts widgets on the yeah. screen. So it's literally a swipe down and a push and it's off. Yeah. Um, in the Lexus I had, it was like three menus in. And the really annoying thing is you can't turn it off and then it's off. Yeah. You have to do it every time you start the car. Yes. Same with, yeah, same with the BM. But yeah, it's like the three. But how long is it going to be before that audible bong is yep. a hard limit on the speed? Because the so technology's there, right? All yep. you need to do is change the software to stop it bonging and yep. just put a, a limiter on the speed. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's there, isn't it? It's, as you say, uh, and I think I think with electric cars especially, that's a whole nother level of literally 
we don't want you driving your car today. We're just going to turn it off on the grid or we're going to, you know, the, 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 there's an on and off switch, you know. I'm sure Tesla, I'm sure Elon could just turn off, you know, that that Model Y you had recently. I bet you he could just, there's, you know, they, they'd be able to, I bet you they can shut them down remotely. Oh, uh, any, so it's not just electric cars. Uh, the My Defender 90, it's, if you've got the app, no, that's because it's a JLR product. It yeah, just it's turns just, off. Just turn off. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> I really, I won't, oh, have, I, I won't have another long termer from JLR then. <laughs> but but you know the almost all new cars nowadays have an app, and those apps are connected to the car. You can reach into the car. You can you know turn the air conditioning on before you get in it. All those types of things. The the Defender has a a, a basically a trip memory you can go in and look at all the different journeys you've done and how far you've gone and how fast you've gone and what your mpg was that's all captured by the car and fed into an app well, yep it's fed other places as well of course but you're right you know any modern day car with connectivity you know if tesla can send an over-the-air update to suddenly give me autonomous driving they can certainly send an over-the-air update to stop the car from working yeah yeah it's not course. it's not rocket science no so it is an, an interesting one, and, and and I think some of it will obviously there's legalities and all of that kind of stuff. But um, I, I think I think we are in for interesting times. Let's go back to the speeding thing. People go, well, if you don't want to speed, then you know um, uh, you shouldn't be worrying about it. I'll give you I'll give you a, an example. You are um, on a national sixty. You come up behind a car that's doing forty four. Well, say let's forty forty five miles an hour, and you go for an overtake, and you pull out to overtake. And you overtake and you exceed 60 miles an hour in the overtake yeah. for a brief moment. Which is actually safer to do yeah. if, if you're limited, right? Yeah. If, okay. But imagine you have a speed limiter. Oh. So oh, you pull so, out. Oh, you, oh, yeah. you pull out to overtake yeah. and you, you've judged the gap. Yeah. And you pull out to overtake and you, you come out and you hit a speed limit of 60 and it slows the car to 60. And then you're stuck in the danger lane while you've got something coming towards you, potentially. Yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, I can, I can just see it coming. Yeah, um, the speed bonk. But then the speed bonks, <laughs> we're really getting it. Oh, I remember when, when I was a kid, you didn't have any of these things, did you? I remember black and white TV. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I tell you, he only had three channels, mate. My brother got a, a video recorder that had a remote control with a wire. No. Didn't he? It wasn't even wireless. Had a cable wow. stretched across the stretched across the lounge. Three channels, that wouldn't be bad. So I would probably have Petrol Ped, Joe Achilles, and the Drive Talk podcast. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that'd be really good. Three fantastic channel channels you need, really. Absolutely. Yeah, it's in the days before YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Oh, before YouTube. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> one of my mate's kids said to me one day, said, said, Daddy, said, when you were my age, was the internet in black and white? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh. <laughs> so, but yeah, so the, you've got the speed bong thing. Yeah. The other bit of technology, and you've got the shortcut in your M2 <laughs> to turn it off as well. And you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah. Lane departure assistance. Uh. And again, that's a legal requirement in cars, right? I think it started with lane departure warning, where it would give you a beep or some yeah. audible tone. Yeah. But a lot of cars now, especially if they've got level two autonomous driving, will, as you as you start to veer out of your lane, will will tug the steering wheel back in and pull you back into the lane. Yeah. It's on a motorway, if you've got adaptive cruise control set, level two autonomous driving set, it can be a useful thing. It, it can it can reduce the fatigue on you on a long journey. Yes. That's where it has its purpose. At all other times, for me, personally, it's dangerous. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, and it's packaged as 
what safety oh, safety yeah safety stuff and once again i feel like we defend manufacturers a lot but i think they deserve it because it's not, <laughs> it's not the manufacturers the speed bongs these safety things the opf filters the fact that wheels look like they're so far in the wheel arches it's all um restrictions or stipulations and rules and regulations that they need to adhere to to sell put that product on the market so we can't have a go at manufacturers maybe we can in the sense that we want it to be as easy as possible to turn off with it mostly easy but the lane departure thing um we actually just talked about it off camera and i've i've had a number of experience horrible experiences with that where i've not forgotten or forgotten to turn it off because you get in the car you drive down the road and it might not happen for five minutes and then suddenly and in fact i was going down the country road near me where the light lane markings aren't the best anyway but the center line is pretty good but there's almost not enough room for a modern car that all very wide i was in the m2 which is exceptionally wide and i was coming up behind a cyclist and i'd obviously look there's nothing coming it was a nice open road so i just gently go on to go around the cyclist and as i'd so i'd already left the lane i was over the white line so i'd already departed the lane i'd indicate as well because that sometimes helps with the with the devices as I was just pulling alongside him, then the car decided, uh, oh, one second, you're out of your lane. What are you doing out there? And pulled it back. And oh it was such a, I mean, again, it wasn't, you know, I'm sure it wasn't much of a movement, but it to me, it just scared the life out of me because I thought, you know, I was like... I bet, I bet the cyclist had a moment as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, it happened just before I'd passed the cyclist, but it just, it was one of those things, you know, as a cyclist and you are... It didn't matter what it was. It was a walker or even another car you're overtaking. But, you know, especially something like a cyclist because you're not, you're not, they're not going to get away with being clipped by an M2. Um, but it was just a horrible experience. And, and you think this is meant to be safety and it's not. It's dangerous. Uh, and I can't see in many scenarios where it is actually going to aid um, safety. Thing. Things like the blind spot. Uh, there's a lot of modern technology that I think is great. Head up display. Fantastic. Yeah. Should be in every car as far as I'm concerned keeps your eyes on the road you've got everything you need in your vision most things you know that's great brilliant uh blind spot things in the mirrors really work and have got me out especially when I, my chauffeuring days because there's massive blind spots in a lot of modern cars because they're so big um and you've got those little yellow warnings or whatever they might be various manufacturers and they're brilliant they're just a simple bit of technology you're like i think there's a car there oh yeah there's a car there because it's already flashing at me or whatever so um, but there's just so much stuff that, again, is just not safe. It's not, it's dangerous, uh, dangerous to people that can drive and actually do pay attention to what they're doing. Um, maybe would help the occasional sort of person. I think it just, uh, for me, it, it encourages laziness, really. Yeah. If you just think, you know, you think, well, lane departure warning, surely one of the basic, you know, skills of driving a car is keeping it in the lane. <laughs> he's been able to steer it down a, you know oh, oh look the the road's bearing around to the left I know the steering wheel I'm going to move it like this right, and I'm going to drive round the corner is that what that's yeah apparently yeah. oh yeah. okay yeah. I always just sort of rest my phone on that thing in front of me but I always yeah. think they could have made a better is that when you're doing live, live stories yeah, yeah yeah live so that's a joke by the way don't use your phone at all when you're driving or well, unless it's in a device and using Waze or whatever yeah. even now I'm I'm more of a it's funny up until or, about you're doing like a one-handed launch control and filming oh, it yeah i mean just all the 
it just it, it infuriates me when you see all that online um just firstly i know how easy you can get done uh by it and you can get what six points or something now well you should know mate you you've you know, I've been there, done been, that, done yeah, that. It's not one you want to do that again. Um, but I can't remember my train of thought. I've lost what I was talking about. Just, now. you know, using your phone. <laughs> using your phone. Yeah, just don't do it. Um, Android also. That's right. Thank you, Patrick. He's, he, he is useful. He's sometimes. very useful. Yeah. Not, not only just is Tesla. He, not only is he very knowledgeable about Tesla, he's like in the background shouting us instructions. Yeah. Um, he needs signs. Like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Applause, everyone. Can we get ten. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Android. So it's funny. Up until the beginning, I reckon end of last. So Android year, is that? Oh, that's the kind of phone that Paul this have, right? is an Android phone. It's a Google Pixel yeah. Seven Actually, Pro. Actually, I'm always jealous of that because it takes amazing it, photos. It does take really good photos. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, listen, they're both they've both got pros and cons. Um, Android, but I mean, let's say Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. Yeah. Up until the end of last year, I've almost never ever used it on cars really and it's really weird people including i'm sure pat uh, i used to would go on road trips why don't you use no i always liked that my phone as a separate device on a phone holder running ways and that allowed everything on the infotainment screen to do whatever i wanted it to do and infotainment screens and, and systems are getting better so like yeah the iDrive 8 in in the m2 the big um, curved display love it or hate it it's really good at giving you like two nice screens so you can have i don't know like spotify and ways and anything else on there it's really good but older systems it was difficult or you'd have to have it all on one screen so yeah. you'd have to swap between um but i've really got into it this time this this year i really everything i borrow press wise or anything that i own i i i, I yeah literally put it on and it's really good and i'll tell you why it is good it's good what, because you use android auto yeah, yeah yeah or yeah and and lou uses both because she's got a work phone and a personal phone um and it's just good because it does separate you, you you learn to use everything on the screen um a lot of the time i don't even put my phone in the holder anymore it would just go in the glove box or stay in my pocket whatever um and so i think is it's very yeah the, the systems are getting better aren't they those the tech that sort of side of tech as you would hope is improving um uh, uh, whereas, yeah, the the safety tech um, is is definitely not, as far as I'm concerned. Although a comment I get a lot in videos, and it's more prevalent when you do a car that has a big screen. Yeah. And let's face it, often they're electric cars. Yep. Um, Tesla, Mustang, Mackie, those types of things. Is the question is how come it's not legal for you to use a phone while you're driving, yet? All of these modern cars have the biggest touch screen, which, let's face it, is just a big phone. Yeah. And it is legal to use those while you're driving. I don't have the answer to that question, by the way. M my only caveat would be probably on, on most things when you've got a big screen, most of the things, the setup things, you wouldn't do while you're driving. You do them once and they're done. Yep. The, the main thing, you might, I don't know, adjust the climate control or change a channel on your radio or look at another podcast or something. Another podcast, yeah, sure. yeah. Is the there next episode, podcast? the next episode, oh, the next yeah. episode, yeah, yeah, right, yeah the next yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, but, but it is a good point. Yeah, no, I, I think that's another thing, isn't it? The touchscreen, as you say, I've always found them distracting, and I know a lot of people out there. I think the younger generation that are used to their phones and their iPods and their iPads, rather, um, you know, they're they're growing up around them. They're probably a bit more savvy with it. But I don't care how good you are 
with your phone when it's a static thing connected to your hand it's very easy to do things but when you've got a screen in a car on a uk road that is not particularly uh smooth because none of us are paying road tax or any kind of tax so our roads are atrocious that was a joke by the way um yeah then then when you factor all that in it's really difficult to 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 manage to focus on driving and 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 play around with this ever moving screen <laughs> that it's just i i sometimes just fight I, it does infuriate me but the more time you spend with it and like you said the more yeah, once you get everything kind of set up then you're not constantly going on the screen to play around with things um hopefully you've got something like you know in, in the m2 you still got the iDrive controller which is a brilliant invention i hope it doesn't ever go completely it will um you know you've got that you've got your voice control commands which i don't like your steering wheel buttons which are a lot easier to use um but yeah i think it's interesting isn't it i think the whole touch screen you see manufacturers like audi um you know they were one of the first to really go full touch screen and with their a6 a8 the q8 all those sort of the, the higher end models and i remember when they all came out four or five years ago it was like wow and it's, it is a wow factor the s8 you had when you get in there and everything's off and, you, and it just looks beautiful it looks like mm. a high-end swiss kitchen or something you just everything's just perfect and then you fire it up and it all comes to life but in reality, when you're using it, it's not the best system in the world and it's just grubby fingerprints everywhere. But I think they're coming back. You'll see that they're slowly introducing, reintroducing buttons. Yep. Uh, I was at VW, um, I'm just thinking uh, embargo wise. Yeah, I think the embargo's lifted for this. The new Tiguan yep. uh, Passat. Oh, no, sorry, the new Tiguan Passat doesn't have it, but that now has. So it's got full touchscreen. Yep. But they brought back the little kind of jog wheel and it's a, uh, it's, um, uh, uh, not controllable, uh, configurable. So you, if you swipe your finger across it to the right, it changes its function. Right. So you can have it as a volume knob for your um, radio. You can have it as a as a heat control for your climate control. Yes. You can use it as a jog wheel to get you around and navigate. You know, your kind of cursor key, if you like. Around it's it's coming back. Good. Okay. It's good. Well, I'm glad that they've kind of learned. I don't know Volkswagen in particular have had a, a tricky few years with their with their current infotainment system um so much so that a lot of people were returning cars or not buying another volkswagen because they didn't like it so i think they really had to stand up and listen and actually mm. you know and it's good that they are changing and adapting things and again i do feel sorry for the manufacturers um that are having to tick so many boxes you know they're trying to make interiors more modern they're trying to introduce as much tech as possible and trying to do it in a way that we're all very we can all relate to i.e touchscreen etc but sometimes they'll go too far and go oh actually <laughs> this this isn't working in in reality it's just not working and i think the time span as well you know back in the day when we were younger um back in the black and white days um cars you know they'd try they'd probably test cars for four or five years they'd run them out and you know whatever test everything make sure ergonomics good but nowadays because the tech is moving so fast they can't test these systems for years and years can they like well that's it's the google model so yeah. google you know they 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 put stuff out there that isn't finished yeah. basically every 10 apps they release baby Maybe they'll succeed with one and the other nine won't work and they'll just bin them. Yeah. They'll put them out. They might put beta somewhere in the, 
in the tech so you know it's not quite finished and i think that that kind of model of releasing stuff is how you innovate quickly yep and i think it, i've seen it in the telecom space and i think we see it in the automotive space i i, I think there's there's a there's a there is an argument almost for a manufacturer you know developing your own mmi satellite navigation system is immensely expensive yep and that's why we see the likes of some of the Stellantis companies working with people like TomTom to do their sat nav. Yeah. And my argument would be, why don't you just use Apple CarPlay and Android Auto? It's just it's on get, the phone anyway. Get rid of it all. <laughs> because, you know, I the only the only time now, I'm totally the opposite to you. I will always use Apple Apple CarPlay. Yep. But now I'm having to almost stop using it to make sure I use the 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 inherent sat nav in the vehicle. Yep. Um, the Tesla I had recently, you can't you can't use Apple CarPlay. You can't you, they don't support it. You have to use their own sat nav. Uh, okay. But that's because that's linked to their charge network, and you get all that functionality. So sometimes I'm, I give a car a hard time, especially electric cars. But you would probably find the functionality if you're using their native sat nav is in there. Yep. Um, but I don't just get in and use Waze. Okay. Because it tells you where the speed cameras are. And it tells you where you know. The big one for me about things like Waze and there are other other sat nav systems, but Waze is particularly good at warning you about things like cars stopped at the side of the yep. road, potholes, um, and so on, because it's this community of users. If you see a car stopped at the road, you quickly hit a button and say car stopped on shoulder and it feeds to everybody else and it's live data then. Yep. That's really actually really handy on the motorbike. Uh potholes and things. Mm. Stuff that you roadkill. Would- Road, yeah, roadkill. <laughs> All these things, you know, you do look at and think, oh, okay, in the car. But when you're on a bike, you go, oh, okay, I'm really going to look. I'm going to pull back even further from the truck in front. So I've got a massive view of the road in front because he might have just gone through a pothole. And by the time I see it appear from the truck, it's too late, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. But as you say, I think the whole just strip it all out and connect to the phone. Um, but, yeah, I... I I think my old man would would struggle with that. I know he's been. This is the second time I'm talking about my dad in this episode, but um, I think he still runs. Can we like, talk about your mum? I like your mum. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I um, yeah. Who's who's youngest? That of us, remember? Yeah. Um, no, dad still runs a thirty three ten Nokia or something. <laughs> Do you know? It's funny you should say that though. That um, the one M we had when we went to the Nurburgring. Yeah. I don't know if you lift up the center console. Yes. But there was a Nokia. Hey, was that? Oh, I don't know. Can't remember the designate. Like a sixty-three ten or something. That yeah. that old school. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, the old charger in there. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. for a while, those those were going. That that Nokia. I can't remember the designated sixty-three ten. I think it was was like super popular. But they they were selling on eBay for like three four hundred quid yep and the reason because people were like using them and then obviously they they kind of uh, they get broken or damaged and then but people had that in their car of course <laughs> so yeah. they had to buy one to fit in their car wow i mean that was back in the days when you used to have a car if you wanted a car phone you'd have like a thing screwed into the dashboard like the holders and stuff yeah that's and you'd buy a second-hand car and there'd be like three screw holes in the dashboard where yes. somebody had a phone all the ex-fleet cars especially yeah yeah Oh man, a lot. In fact, my brother's first car when he had, he had his. Uh, I think he was one of the first people I know to have a a car phone. The the phone unit was in the boot. Wow. The only thing that was in the car was the actual handset. Oh, and so it was on proper. like a, it was a proper handset, like, yeah. with, a, with a twisty wire. You know, none of this Bluetooth rubbish. I bet you've got one of them. Um. Or did you have one of them? No, I didn't. Oh. No, I didn't. I didn't join. I didn't. I started telecoms in nineteen ninety nine. So yeah. A bit after that, but I've still got I've still got some of my old phones. I've still yeah. got my first three G phone. Okay, that'll that'll 
that'll, that's in a box in the loft somewhere. It probably works still, I would have thought. Yeah, it's probably still charged if it's on. It's probably still got battery. <laughs> well, no, it came with two batteries. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, uh, NEC 606, terrible device. Wow. But yeah, it came with NEC, two batteries. that brings back memories. You remember, yeah, when people other than Apple and Samsung made phones? I remember the BlackBerry, because I worked when I worked at Storm uh, my previous life, and we all had Blackberries, as most people in the business world did, I guess. And I used to love my Blackberry and little toggle. Remember the yeah. little? And, and I used to be able to, I could type on that faster than I could on the keyboard, actually. I was just, loved it, loved it. And I remember when we would, when there was talk in the office of, or all our office or company phones were going to move away from them. I think we went to iPhone. I was devastated because that was such a brilliant so, phone. So this is the completely accidental segue, right? So I, a couple of weeks ago, my, so one of my mates, I was, big shout out to Rune. Um, I worked with him um, uh, years ago, Ray Castle, like 2000, 2001. And we were doing a lot of training for BlackBerry. And he was actually training BlackBerry one day. And somebody said, oh, you're really good. You should come and work for me. And he did the normal you can't afford me. And the guy went, why don't you try that theory out? And anyway, he gave him a number and went to work for BlackBerry. Wow. And he still works there. All right. So, but BlackBerry don't make phones anymore. I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I've not seen one ever for years. Any idea what they make? Oh, this is going to be um, something very random. Fruit? Blackberries? They're responsible for pretty much every operating system in every car other than Tesla. No way. Way. Wow. Okay, and that makes sense. <laughs> That's what they do. That well, they do other things as well, but their main business now is is automotive operating systems. Wow. And they provide operating systems for manufacturers who then obviously kind of white label them into their own, but the yeah. back end of uh, everything but Tesla pretty much. That is fascinating. <laughs> wow. Told you it was a good segue. That is a good segue. <laughs> wow. So, I cuz I didn't even know we went out for a bike ride the other week and we were chatting away and I'm like Oh, oh my god I didn't know that because I knew I knew the demise of the Blackberry handset and the reasons behind that and, and all that kind of stuff because they went from like hero to zero they were they were massive yeah and especially in the enterprise or business to business so everybody who was in business had a Blackberry yep and then along comes iPhone and Android and I think the industry were quite I don't know it's blase or or you know they just thought hey, what are these are like Apple what do they know about making phones hey yeah they're never going to be any good no Groups, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's. Uh, I did not know that. Well, there you go. I, I wonder how many of you guys and girls knew that. It's. Uh, let us know in the comments. So now we know we were talking about operating systems. Should be Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Maybe maybe this should be BlackBerry. Yes, they can have. Yeah, we might see the return of the BlackBerry name as well. <laughs> well, originally when originally it was Research in Motion was the company. Okay, and the hand the, the phone was called a BlackBerry. Yes. And then everybody kind of knew Black, and then they researched Emotional Rim, changed their name to Blackberry. Okay. And they are still, they're still Blackberry, but they they kind of just do stuff that you don't hear about. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Well, that's, um, that's a, mate, we're, we're almost <laughs> at, at the hour, believe it or not. I can't believe that. It's it's good. I think when we get into a good old, good oh, old, oh. old man rant, um, it's Can time you imagine flies. what it would be like if we had a couple of beers? Oh. Uh, well, I think we need to do that one day. We need to find, we need to. We need to go and stay somewhere so we can responsibly have do, a few, do, do a have podcast. a few, a few while we're drinking beers. Yeah. What do you think to that, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> Pat's happy yeah. about that because he's off camera. And be like, <laughs> yeah, obviously Pat would be uh, doing it as well. Um, but talking about, I don't think we actually uh, said where we were. But if you'd watched uh, a previous episode, you probably recognise this spot. 
we're back at uh, Podium Place, which is obviously a regular um, podcast. Podcast location. HQ. Yeah, it is Podcast HQ, yeah. Um, but we're in the roastery, uh, the coffee roastery, hence the big bags behind us, this big bag next to me, um, <laughs> uh, and the cars behind that. So that behind us is actually the, the cafe. So if you do come down, which I do recommend, have a coffee, have some food, play on the sim, um, if you look to the right when you're walking up to the counter, you'll see in here. Uh, and that's where we are. We're normally in the paddock, which is really cool. Um, but this is, uh, this is, this is a nice, I think this is my nice new, change of scene. Yeah. I think this is my new favorite location. Yeah, I like Cause it. the air conditioning is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Hot, yeah. As hot as you like outside. It is. Uh, and obviously a big shout out. Not that we really needed to in this episode, cause I think we've accidentally got it plastered everywhere. Yeah. Um, big shout out to our sponsors, Michelin. Yeah. Or, as you pronounce it, Michelin. Yeah. Well, that's just how I do the French thing. Yeah. I get grief for that. Well, you shouldn't get grief. You just pronounce things properly. Yeah. Where you're like, we're Michelin. <laughs> uh, anyway. anyway. Uh, <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Tune in next time and we'll see you soon.